the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. to another edition of Locked On. Folks, I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with me on this Wednesday. We are still on Chuba Watch. Hashtag Chuba Watch 2020. We'll see if Chuba makes his decision before the end of the week. I expect him to. You remember I told you last Friday. I expect that we will know who the assistant coaches will be at Oklahoma State and who the running back will be at Oklahoma State by the end of the week. So we'll see if I'm right. I, I still think I'm going to be right about Chuba. Quite frankly, I think I'm already right about Chuba, but we'll get into that a little bit more. I want to remind everyone that this is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. And you need to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you're listening, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening, subscribe and rate this podcast. And do me a favor, go on Twitter right now before you forget. If you're driving, wait until you park, go on Twitter, follow me at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. All right, let's uh, dive in a little bit to the game on Monday night against West Virginia. It was uh, it was rough from Oklahoma State. It, it was the the offensive performance from the Cowboys was, I mean, really one of the worst that we've seen in recent memories. Oklahoma State could not score. They, they managed to score forty one points. Uh, I even thought about at, at halftime tweeting out, "Will they get to forty? Yes or no?" Putting a poll on Twitter, "Will they get to forty? And kind of seeing what people's gauge was of uh, where Oklahoma State was at after that poor first half. Uh, I did tweet out in the second half when they got down by sixteen. I, I said, "You know, it's hard to overcome a um, a sixteen point deficit when you can't score sixteen points." And Oklahoma State could not score. And I told you on Monday, I didn't bet this game. If you do follow me on Twitter, you know I, I do a lot of sports betting uh, and, and I you know, and I love doing that and I have a lot of success doing that. But I stayed away from this game on Monday because something felt wrong. It, it was a pick em. Where I play, it was a pick em all day. And then before the game, Oklahoma State actually got to minus 115 odds to win the game at a pick em. West Virginia was minus 105. So what that means for you non-gamblers, is that to, to place a bet on Oklahoma State to win the game, you would have had to wager $115 to win 100 Whereas on West Virginia, you would have only had to wager $105 to win 100 So yes, the, the game was a pick em, but it was juiced in Oklahoma State's favor. And, and I'm looking at this, and I knew, and I told you on Monday, I said, West Virginia is the better team. West Virginia is going to win this game. Of course, I didn't know at the time Thomas DeZogwa was going to be out, which obviously hurt an Oklahoma State team that shot 5%, one of 20 from beyond the arc and did not quite shoot 30% from the floor, 29.2% uh, from the floor. <clears throat> but uh, even without Thomas DeZagua, even with Thomas DeZagua, I don't think it would have mattered much against that West Virginia team that I thought just matched up with bigger you know, stronger than Oklahoma State and a better basketball team. They beat Ohio State last week. They led Kansas for 24 minutes. And I, I couldn't believe that Oklahoma State was going to bounce back off a 35-point loss from Texas Tech and, and win that game. But the line, it, it threw me for a loop. I didn't understand it. And when I don't understand a line, I usually stay away from it. So I said, I think West Virginia is going to win this game. But I'm not really sure. Uh, but I did pick West Virginia to win it. And look, they're big guys. Uh 
Oscar Shibway, he's going to be fun to watch. He's already really fun to watch. He's got uh, a lot of parallels with Serge Ibaka. He's from the Congo, uh, first love of soccer, didn't touch a basketball until he was 14. He, he, you know, the other night he goes 5 of 6 from the floor, 12 points, 8 rebounds. Just a solid, solid game from Oscar Shibway. He had the big alley-oop. That guy, I mean, he's one of the most fun players uh, in the Big 12 Conference to watch. Uh, but, yeah, he... he just feasted on Oklahoma State. So did Derek Culver. He only had nine points, but he had 12 rebounds, a couple of assists, a couple of steals. Only three players for West Virginia got into double figures. And that's the thing. Oklahoma State played well enough on the defensive end to win the game. I mean, in, in college basketball and conference play, you hold a team to 55 points, you've got to feel pretty good about your chance to win the game. But Oklahoma State only gets two scores into double figures, 12 for Lindy Waters, 10 for Cam McGriff. And Yorane, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's call a spade a spade. Yornay got bullied a little bit in that game. He has zero points on three shot attempts. He has three rebounds. And and what we're seeing with Yornay, and hopefully as the season progresses and as he continues to play more basketball, look, he's still a very unfinished product. You can tell by watching Yornay that he is still very raw. But but what Oklahoma State needs is for Yornay throughout this season to continue to, to develop where he can – give Oklahoma State some sort of consistent production on the inside because sometimes Yorne looks like he can be a really good player and a solid center who you want out there for 30 minutes. And sometimes you're thinking, what is this guy doing? How is he garnering any minutes at all? And before Kate Cunningham and Rondell Walker show up next week, not, not next week, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Before they show up next year, Oklahoma State needs Yorane to develop. They need the Boone Twins to develop Avery Anderson, Chris Harris, because they're going to need valuable, valuable minutes from this guy. These guys, when they lose the three seniors, Cam McGriff, Lindy Waters, and Thomas DeZagua. Isaac Likely, again, very pedestrian the other night. He still has not gotten back to his usual self after coming back off illness. Five points for Isaac Likely, a couple of assists, four rebounds, only shot the ball twice uh, from the field, and three of seven from the free throw line, in- including misses on the front end of one-and-ones. Misses on the front end of one-and-ones kill you in college basketball. First off, I hate the one-and-one rule. I know some people like it. You have to make the first one to earn the second one. I think if you I think if you commit a foul, you should not be the one being rewarded. That that's my reasoning for not liking the one and one rule. If you commit a foul, then you are now being rewarded when that guy misses the first one. You commit a foul, guy should get to shoot two free throws. I like it the way they do it in the NBA. I hate it the way they do it in college basketball, but it is what it is. Uh, Oklahoma State falls 55-41 to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Oklahoma State uh, doesn't play again until Saturday. Oklahoma State plays at 1 o'clock on Saturday at TCU. And again, no ESPN+. Plus. That game is on ESPN2. So, uh, DirecTV, like myself, flip it over to 209. Watch a little uh, Oklahoma State TCU on ESPN2. I think next week's game against Texas is maybe an ESPN Plus game. Don't hold me to that. That's a night game next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Also, and look, I get it. It's tough to get to Stillwater on a Monday night. I wasn't there. My wife doesn't get off work this time of year. She's really busy. She doesn't get home from work until 6.30. We weren't making it to Stillwater. That, that was never really in the cards for us. And, and I know that it's hard for a lot of people to get up there. That crowd was rough, man. That crowd was really rough. There were, I, I don't know, several thousand empty seats in Gallagher-Iba Arena. So um, I, I would like to see it be better. But also, Oklahoma State needs to give its fans a, a reason to show. I mean, seriously, Uh, when's the last time Oklahoma State beat a real opponent at home? They lost to West Virginia at home. 
They beat Southeastern Louisiana. Who cares? They lost to Minnesota by 20 at home. Their last two home games, they lost by 14 and 20. They played Wichita State and Georgetown at home. Lost them both. I mean, the only teams they've beaten at home this year are Oral Roberts, Yale, and Western Michigan. You, you, you got to do something to keep your fan base excited. There was a lot of excitement about Oklahoma State basketball after that Ole Miss game. You beat Ole Miss 78-37 after a 14-point win over Syracuse, and, and the excitement for Oklahoma State basketball was there. And now they've lost it. It is gone. So they have to do something to recapture it. The only thing you can do to recapture it is go win some games. I'm Colby Powell. Glad you're with me here on Locked on Pokes. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about Chuba Watch 2020. Stay with me here on Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Rolling on here on Locked on Pokes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Glad to be with you. It is Chuba Watch trying to figure out what Chuba Hubbard is going to do. Will he come back to Oklahoma State? Will he head to the NFL? I I told you, and I still believe it, we we don't have a, a definitive answer yet. Chuba Hubbard has not come out and said, excited to announce that I will be returning for the 2020 football season at Oklahoma State University. We don't have that announcement yet. But read between the lines, connect the dots, stop being so pessimistic. Chuba Hubbard, I'm telling you, he's coming back. A, a, A guy, he posts on Instagram yesterday a picture of him at homecoming, arms in the air, pumping up the crowd, at homecoming hoops, pumping up the crowd. That's not a guy who's leaving to go to the NFL. Not only that, this running back class is loaded. Loaded. Yes, he could go to the NFL and he would be a middle round pick. He would probably be a fourth round pick, maybe. Running backs nowadays, very much a dime a dozen in the NFL. Very much a dime a dozen. And look at all the guys who are in this draft. DeAndre Swift from Georgia is in this draft. Zach Moss from Utah. Travis Etienne. J.K. Dobbins. Jonathan Taylor. Arizona State has a great running back. Eno Benjamin is going to be in this draft. Najee Harris could potentially declare. Cam Akers at Florida State. Clyde Edwards-Elair, I don't know. Is he old? I'm not sure if he is or not. The kid down at LSU has a great chance to, to be a higher draft pick. And, and Chuba. I mean, it's a great running back draft class. Maybe next year you could uh, you could be a little higher on the list. Chuba's great. I love Chuba. He's a little smaller guy. He doesn't have as much experience under his belt. He's played one full season of college football. I'm just trying to take you through the mind of draft scouts and why it might be beneficial for Chuba to come back. I've always said, and I will always say, that uh, if a guy wants to go get his money, I I wish him the best. Go get your money. If you don't want to take another 300 hits on your body without getting paid, then don't. Go get paid. But Chuba's telling us he wants to come back, y'all. He's telling us he wants to come back. Go look at his Instagram. Go look at his Twitter. Spencer Sanders on Instagram, posting a video, uh, Instagram, Twitter, wherever he posted it. He says, we're coming a little bit different next year. And, and he posts the picture, the video of tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. It's just the, the writing's on the wall. I'm telling you, Chuba Hubbard will be a member of the Oklahoma State football team in 2020. If not, you can send me your angry tweets at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Just believe it. Allow yourself 
to to be optimistic for once as an Oklahoma State fan that something is going to go right. Uh, all right, going to take one more quick break, come back, talk about a big coaching change at Baylor, how that changes the uh, coaching hierarchy in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, also, some rumors around the Oklahoma State baseball program with potentially some assistant coaches. All that's coming up next here on Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. All right, now that we've covered the fact that I believe Chuba is returning to Oklahoma State, we can move on to some other big news in the Big 12 Conference, which is that Matt Rule is no longer a part of it. First off, congratulations to Matt Rule. Baylor was, you know, everyone hated Baylor. Baylor was just scum. Just scum of the earth. What went on down there was horrible. The the fact that Kendall Bryles has worked his way back up now to a Power 5 level assistant, I think, is a joke. Um, you know, the, the Art Bryles stuff down there in Texas, don't even get me started. That's not what this is about. This is all to just illustrate, Matt Rule took over a disaster of a situation in Waco and in a very short period of time, turned it around, made them a contender for the Big 12 championship, a real contender for the Big 12 championship, and uh, now he's headed off to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So, so now, uh, look, Baylor was going to take a step back anyway. Even if Matt Rule was there, Baylor was not going to be in the championship game again next year. I feel very confident telling you that. It's, you know, OU is able to repeat success because of the athletes that Oklahoma has. The, the reason that there is a revolving door as to who meets Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game is because these other schools, it only comes together just right where you have the right assemblance of talent, the ball bounces your way just right, you, you have a good turnover margin, you win your close games, things go your way in the fourth quarter. That only happens for other schools once every few years. It happened for TCU a few years back. It happened for Texas a couple years ago. It happened for Baylor this past year. Maybe this next year it'll be Oklahoma State's year, but there will continue to be a revolving door as to who meets Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game because the rest of the schools in the conference have pretty comparable talent. So uh, at that point, it's just, you know, who gets the breaks, who makes the most plays in the fourth quarter. In this past season, it was Baylor. So now that Matt Rule's gone, what is the hierarchy of coaches in the Big 12? Uh, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley is at one. He's won the Big 12 every year since he's been a head coach. He's been to the college football playoff three times. Obviously, Lincoln Riley is number one. After number one, it gets really, really murky. I, I, I don't know where to go from there. It, it certainly can't be Tom Herman down at Texas. He's kind of made a fool out of himself the last couple of years uh, doing a couple of different things, and, and they're not winning, you know. They're not, they're not doing enough. By the way, can I just point out how hilarious – was Sam Ellinger's video announcing that he'll be returning to Texas for his senior season. It's like, dude, what was your other option? What was your draft grade? Did you get did Sam Ellinger get a draft grade? I mean, seriously. The dude I, he had one good year at Texas. He had one good year. Last year Sam Ellinger had a good year. And he still didn't look like an NFL quarterback. Sam Ellinger Best case scenario, somebody in the NFL wants to take a chance on him being a knockoff Taysom Hill like New Orleans is doing. I, I mean, that's best case scenario for Sam Ellinger in the NFL. He had an NFL quarterback. 
He ain't walking into the NFL, stepping in and being a quarter, a starting quarterback somewhere, even a backup quarterback somewhere. So I thought his his video announcing he was returning was hilarious. I mean, his only other option was to go play for the Dallas Renegades. So we're all glad you're back, Sam. We're all glad you're back. That being said, I do think Texas will be a contender next year, but that's not what this is about. So you got Lincoln Riley, and then after that, where do we go? We got Mike Gundy, we've got Gary Patterson, we got Matt Wells, Tom Herman, Matt Campbell. I. I can you put Campbell at two? I mean, Iowa State took a little bit of a step back this year. A lot of that's because, you know, Brock Purdy turned the ball over at some inopportune times, most notably against Oklahoma State. Iowa State doesn't get a pass interference call on a two-point conversion against Oklahoma. But, you know, Brock Purdy also had Charlie Kolar wide open on the two-point conversion attempt. If he reads it correctly, he has a wide open receiver and not a covered one, and they win the game. And it changes how the Big 12 plays out and whether they get a, a playoff team in and all these. It changes a ton of things. But they couldn't get it done. So after one, I really don't know where we go at two. I think it would have to be either Gundy, Patterson, or Campbell. Those three are the three that have had the most success over the last five years or so in the Big 12 conference. Um, and I really don't know what order I would rank them in. I, I want to say put Gundy at two because of his success over such a long period of time at Oklahoma State w- without really, you know, big dips. The couple of dips have been six and six in years in which Oklahoma State's in between quarterbacks. But Mike Gundy's in-game coaching has been a bit of a tragedy here lately. You know, just the conservatism, his uh, unwillingness to go for it on fourth down, his, his willingness to kick the ball no matter what the situation is, despite the fact that Oklahoma State hadn't had a good punter in years and uh, Matt Amendola was only good from inside of about 45 yards. He was great from inside of about 45 yards. Outside of that, he just didn't have the biggest leg. Nothing wrong with that. You just have to coach around it. It means go for it on fourth and half a yard instead of attempting a, a 51-yard field goal. Um <clears throat> You know, Gary Patterson, TCU's down years have been more down than Oklahoma State's. TCU, correct me if I'm wrong, TCU didn't make a bowl game this year. That's a pretty big down year. So can I really put Patterson above Gundy? Iowa State takes a little bit of, step, of a step back. Matt Campbell, has he done enough? Hadn't been in the Big 12 championship game. Has he done enough to be over Gundy or Patterson? Probably not. Uh, I mean, you could really you could rack your brain for half an hour trying to figure out who the second best coach is in the Big 12. Um, Matt Campbell, obviously, young, hot name in coaching. Mike Gundy and Gary Patterson are both, I think, just kind of set where they're at. So uh, it, it's definitely Lincoln at one, but with the departure of Matt Rule, it gets a little murky after that in the Big 12. Uh, all right, that's all for today. I will be back Friday previewing Oklahoma State and TCU this weekend. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.